Good morning, New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, a place where love abides, where Pastor Dante Halls is our senior pastor. I'm your host for our Sunday school hour, Reverend Bill Riley. Today we have a special guest. Today is a special day because on March the 28th, my wife um, was born, and today is our 50 uh, something. 50, 50, I'm sorry, 52. My wife is 52. I know, I knew that. Um, our lesson today is is found in uh, the fourth lesson. The title of our lesson is Righteousness Through Faith. Righteousness Through Faith. It is found in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 31. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and we come today at your feet, Lord God, asking you, Lord God, that you will give us uh, a lesson today that we might be able to understand, make it clear and precise, Lord God, that we might apply it to our life. We ask these blessings upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, let me bring on my co-host today for our Sunday School Hour, um, Sister Harriet Riley. Introduction. When Jesus entered the holy city on what was to be his final week, he was fully aware of what was going to transpire. Luke 9:51 says, When the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was the Lamb of God. John 1:29 about to die for the sins of humanity. This was foreordained before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1.20 and Revelations 13.8 For the most part, the four evangelists did not interpret the events of Christ's life, at least in great detail. They record what happened but said relatively little about why it happened. Romans and other um, epistles helped us understand the ongoing relevance of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. When Jesus died, it was not a tragedy. It was the fulfillment of God's plan to free sinners from the curse of sin. Continuing in Romans 3, we will see Paul expound on the changes that take place in us at the moment of salvation. Our golden text is is found in Romans 3.21. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and, uh, and the prophets. Our outline. Alienated by sin. Alienated by sin. Well, today we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do a little dialogue and discussion. Um, I'm trying not to read as much, but just try to answer it off the cuff. God's righteousness. Alienated by sin. God's righteousness. Man's sin. The righteousness of God can refer to God's character and his just actions, or it can have in mind our relationship with him, that is, our right standing before the Lord. 
I'm reminded at Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The translation is that. The New King James Version. God's righteousness and our dilemma is and recorded in Romans 5, 1, is having peace with God. And basically what that means is, is having... Um, Having a um, you and God having on being on speaking terms. In other words, um, you and God are in speaking together. And what I mean by speaking together is that your relationship is intact because of God's holiness, because of God's righteousness. Those of us who do not know God, those who alienated God, or do not know God are suffering from the wrath of God. And so in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Paul is asking, you know, Paul is saying that we um, we should have peace with God. When you think about the purpose of the law, the law in its entirety is a, a standard, a standard for God. Um, because the law represents God's righteousness, God's holy um, standard. And so when you match up our relationship or our behavior with the word or the law of God, you will quickly realize that we do not measure up to the law. Amen. And so the only way to get to a relationship with God is by accepting the terms. And the terms is what we call by faith. Although we do not measure up to God standards and righteousness, we need help to measure up to those requirements. What would you get ready to say? And when you talk about the law, we're talking about all of the Ten Commandments that was given to us. Amen. The purpose of the law is to convict people of their sins so that they repent and turn to the Lord in faith. We are saved by placing our faith in Christ and our approach to God is by grace for in Christ we are not under the law but under grace that we approach God apart from the law does not mean we re- disregard his commandments or live as we please as Paul himself asks shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid however we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. 
But this approach to God through faith in Christ is not really new. There is simply testimonies in the law and the prophets, which testify that God has always justified people by faith, beginning with Abraham. Now, what about this definition of alienation? This is the part in which we want to get into. We want to define some of these words so that we'll be able to understand what it means to be alienated or alienation. What's the definition, Harry? Uh, <clears throat> alienation means um, like when you're isolated or from someone or something um, or some type of estranged. 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 Okay. Estranged is to no longer um, be close or affectionate to someone. Alienated. As already seen in lesson two, Paul made it clear that the Gentile world was estranged from God because of their idolatry and perversion. For their part, the Jews had many advantages because of their privileged position in God's plan, but that did not leave them guiltless. Whether Jews or Gentiles, the gospel alone was the power to save, Romans 1.16 which we know is go for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jews first and also for the Greek man's sin man's sin is found in Romans 3.23 which we know is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which we've already explained that we cannot measure up to the standards in which God requires. So because of that, we need help. Some of us, I don't know if you feel in your circle, um, Harriet, um, some of your coworkers or whatever, when it comes to understanding or having a conversation about sin, most people believe that there are different degrees of sin. Um, some people believe that, um, you know, little white lie is not as bad as a, a lie. Um, some people believe that um, stealing um, paraphernalia from your job is not necessarily stealing. Um, there's different degrees of sin. It says it is also common to people to put sin in grades and categories, thinking that some sins are far worse than others. To be sure, the earthly consequences of sin may vary. Humanly speaking, it would be far worse to murder someone than to merely hate them. But the scripture warns us that whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. John 1, 3, 15. All sins are serious because of sins condemn, because of sin condemns us. Amen. Go. Since all of us have sinned, we are all in the same spiritual boat, so to speak, and it is a sinking ship. We all desperately fall short of God's perfectly just and glorious expectation. 
even what we consider our righteous righteous deeds are like filthy rags compared to his holy standard. Isaiah 64, 6. Accepted by grace, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Let's take a look at um, some of these words. Um, the word redemption. The word redemption is a word that is considered in um, slavery terms where uh which most of us as African-Americans can relate to is when we as um, Africans came on the shores of America, particularly Jamestown, um, there was what we call Africans coming from Africa and placed on a slave block. And those slave owners would come and bid on those slaves to um, purchase them for um, strenuous work or what have you. Um, at that time. So this word redemption, when some uh, slave owner would buy uh, a slave coming off the ship at the slave trade market, that slave would have been considered redeemed, purchased, brought with a price. We all are familiar with the word. However, we may not be familiar with the background of the word. Here's a word that um, I want to um, dive into, and that is the word justified justified now you should know something about this because we have taught this over at the nursing home um to be justified what does it mean in our terms in our language all right so you want to you want to give your uh, input on on justified okay so when we talk about justified let's let's use uh the courts for examples if i have to go to court and when you know the judge um, stands up and gives his ruling um, his ruling with me for me would be on my offense is um, I would be free mm -hmm. my um, all of my offenses would be dismissed I would be free of all of my offenses it would be just as, as if I've never done the crime. That's it's kind of giving you an example of what justified means. Amen. Amen. To be justified is to be declared not guilty in spite of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. God has declared us not guilty. He could only do this on the basis of Jesus' perfect sacrifice. This he did freely. We neither earned it nor deserved it. Clearly, justification is based upon faith and is the source of our peace with God. Romans 5.1, the source of our peace with God is um, the justification of Jesus Christ. And what we say justification means is just as if I've never sinned, but also it is... Um, brought about by 
God's grace. So we say the word grace is God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Amen. Amen. And then we say faith, which activates it, which says forsaking all, I I trust trust in him. him. All right. So actually enables believers um, by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8. Also, our justification comes by God's grace, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. By definition, grace is the unmerited favor, while unmerited, it is not condition. It is unconditional. We must respond to God's grace by faith. Since we didn't deserve it, since we did not merit it, um, responding to God's grace is just simply accepting it. The next word is remission. 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 Justification and redemption are found in Christ Jesus and is in no one else in no other way set forth. His son, a single, I'm sorry, his son, his son for this purpose, representing a single Greek word set forth, could also be translated, presented, appointed, or even foreordained. As we describe this portion of the remission, um, inside our commentary today, it says is representing a single Greek word set forth could also be translated, presented, appointed, or even foreordained, which means that before the world was, God had already made up in his mind and what it, what it is that he was going to do. Christ would be the propitiation. Here's another word, propitiation. Let's take that one off the cuff. I'll take that one. Propitiation, in my definition, would be um, Christ became the appeasement or the payment for the offense in which we all committed. In other words, what Christ paid with his blood, it satisfied the penalty for our punishment for our sins. Let me say that three times. <laughs> he, say that again. He he stand in the gap. He stand in the gap. He paid the price for our sins. Not just, not quite, but in the court of law, what, what the, what the offense that is committed, there is a penalty that the court of law system has made up in order to satisfy the punishment for the sins that you committed. Amen. Amen. So for instance, um, if you stole from the candy store, you will probably get the payment of, of, of two to three years probation. Right. And that would satisfy the courts to, for your offense. offense. Now, if you murder someone, you know, that penalty or that punishment would have been a whole lot more harsher. And in that, so what Jesus Christ did was, is that him dying on the cross because he did not have no sin, his blood was so rich, pure, pure that it, it paid for not only your past sins, but also your, 
Present. Today, present sins, and even future. your future sins. All yes. right, amen. All right, okay. All right, we're waking up here. So let me give you the literature. Christ is the propitiation for our sins. First John 2, 1 through 2. This word is related to the Old Testament word for covering. And in the Greek Old Testament Septuagint, it was used of the mercy seat. Leviticus 16, 2, Hebrews 9, 5. The mercy seat was the solid gold lid of the Ark of the Covenant where the high priest sprinkled blood on the Day of Atonement. Hence, a propitiation is an atoning sacrifice. In this case, Christ was the sacrifice. Propitiation especially means to turn away wrath or appease anger. Also, it is God who is propitiated by the vindication of his holy and righteous character, whereby through the, pro through the provision he has made in the vicarious of our expiatory sacrifice of Christ. He has so dealt with sin that he can show mercy to the believing sinner in the removal of his guilt and the remission of his sins. The remission of sins that are past refers to the sins that were committed under the old covenant as elaborate and detail as the Levitical code was, the sacrificial system did not actually have the ability to remove sin. It only anticipated the pardon that would occur as the result of Christ's sacrifice. Hebrews 9, 15. Assured by faith, one God, one way. <clears throat> the God revealed in scripture is the God of all <clears throat> In spite of the privileged position, Jews could not claim God as their exclusive deity, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Circumcisions in 330 means Jews and uncircumcision means Gentiles, while the outward rite of circumcisions had special significance for the descendants of Abraham, which means that they had been circumcised. They had physically um, made an, a public and a public and private, I would say private, um, commitment to the Lord by physically demonstrating that. And the Gentiles who did not have the covenant relationship or the right of circumcision were considered uncircumcised. It became insignificant under the new covenant, this practice that is. Salvation is by faith in Christ, not by conformity to the law, nor by outward expressions or physical um, demonstrations. There are not two means of being saved. No, one for Jews is the same as for the Gentiles, for the promise is unto you all, all children of God, and to all that are far off. So when we look at how the word alienation, alienation was simply um, those of us who did not have a committed relationship with God, um, we suffered under the penalty 
power and presence of sin. But not only that, we did not have favoritism, God's grace towards us. However, um, we be, once you become a Christian, once you become accepting the grace that God gives you, then you be you become a child of God and no longer being alienated by um, by those terms. One way in presenting these arguments, which are difficult at times to follow, Paul was not trying to eliminate the value of the law. He was actually upholding the law for he saw that the true purpose of the law was to pave the way for the promised Messiah. From my perspective, the law is simply this. It is a mirror to show how far we are away from God that will that should convict and convert and convince us to get into a relationship with God in order to live an abundant life, a satisfying life, a life free of guilt and shame from the detriments of sin in the world. And your final words? And also, when I think about the the law, um, it just lets me know that, you know, we need a savior um, because we can't, we're not able to fulfill all of the commandments by ourselves. We don't have the the power. So we need a savior in order uh, to fulfill the law. Amen. Thank you so much. Love you. Amen. So today's aim is number one, facts. To study Paul's teaching about the righteousness of God. Uh, principle. To understand that right that right standing with God is available only through faith in Christ. And the application is to share our faith with others that we are made righteous only through Christ. Practical point. The law still reflects God's standard of righteousness. Number two, all mankind have sinned. Only Jesus Christ, who is sinless, can save us. Number three, there is no room for boasting within the body of Christ. Number four, our good deeds cannot earn our salvation. It is a gift from God. Number five, God's righteousness is available for all people of the world. Number six, many people claim to keep the law, but God requires the righteousness of Christ. That's it. That's all we have for you today. Hope you get something out of this lesson. I want to thank my guests for being here with us today, my wife, Harriet, and um, may the Lord bless and keep you. God bless.